Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Rosie Kearney who released a great album at the very start of the year called Bear that I've absolutely loved and played it throughout the year so I was delighted to get a chance to chat to her ahead of her show at Sounds from a Safe Harbour. She's playing Collins on Sunday the 15th of September at 7pm. It's going to be really really great show I think she tells me that she's been perfecting her swaying so I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit of that as Sensima Safe Harbour concludes on Sunday. It's just about getting into gear as I am speaking. I've already been to my first event of Sensima Safe Harbour 2019. I went to Loch Nahala slash Swan Lake on Wednesday night at Cork Opera House. They're doing three nights there so it's also on Thursday. That's tonight. Uh, the 12th of September it's really really stunning it's got a score by slow moving clouds and the last just the last 10 minutes are just absolutely gorgeous it's stunning so really recommend that if you're listening to this in time for the podcast if you're listening to this in time for the rest of the weekend there's absolutely loads happening there's a free music trail featuring loads and loads and loads of great acts I'll be running around town all weekend and there's also some paid events too which include Damien Rice which is sold out at Cork Opera House hopefully heading to that myself looking forward to finally seeing Damien Rice never seen him live before so I think that's going to be a special show Feist on Saturday night is sold out as well but there's lots of other stuff to get to if you're so inclined After Clang in St. Luke's is going to be brilliant Grand Brothers in St. Luke's basically you can't go wrong with any event that you're going to go to this weekend I think the final event of the festival is going to be something very special indeed at Cork Opera House 8 p.m. It's a tribute to Lassa de Sella and it features the likes of Bryce Desner, Andrew Barr, Emma Brockton, Feist is going to be there as well and Todd Daloff so yeah, I'd say definitely get to that if you can. This is the third year that Sounds from a Safe Harbour has taken place. And this is kind of the third and final preview episode. So you can also check out an interview that I did with the head honcho, the mother of Sounds from a Safe Harbour, Mary Hickson. That was two episodes ago. And then earlier this week, the last episode of The Point of Everything that I posted up, it's Quivino Rahalig, who's going to be playing a show with Thomas Bartlett at Live at St. Luke's on Saturday evening at 8pm. He's the happiest sounding guy that I think I've had on the podcast so you can check that out that was uh, really nice to get to chat to Quivino Rahalig and also really nice to chat with uh, Rosie Kearney as well really looking forward to her show and if you haven't um, listened to Bear yet definitely check it out it's really really nice and I'm excited to uh, see what she comes up with next so this is Rosie Kearney on the Point of Everything podcast and have a great sounds from a safe harbour whatever you get to whatever you see hopefully our paths will cross say hello if you uh, if you spot me running around like a madman you released your debut album bear right at the start of the year right at the start of january how has your year been since what's the what's the concise version of your year since nine months on well it's been a bit it's been <laughs> i hate to say it because it's like such a cliche thing to say but it's been a bit of a roller coaster um so obviously when i released my album um, I did a load of touring, like I did three months kind of non-stop with a trip to the States in the middle. And then like I, I went from doing that to just kind of going back to my family home in Donegal and doing nothing. <laughs> so yeah, it's been, it's been very productive and I've since moved back to London, um, got my own place. So yeah, it's been crazy. Like getting to tour my album definitely been the highlight of my year so far. Was that always the plan? Like uh, when you were making the album, like you, like you were excited about taking the songs on tour, playing them every night. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one thing bringing the album to life in the studio, but actually getting to uh, perform the songs live on stage and seeing how they would turn out live. So, like, I, I took a cellist with me on tour, and it was just really incredible to be able to, like, strip the songs back, even though it's a very minimal album, like, but just kind of give them a whole new life on the stage. Yeah, I, th I think that you talked um, in the few interviews um, I read at the time that it came out, you've talked like quite a bit about what they're what the songs are about, like they're quite heavy in places, some of the uh, subject matters that you get into. But like, how does that uh, translate to the stage? I mean, like, do, do you kind of because you're playing the songs so the songs so often, do they almost kind of lose their meaning a little bit and they're easy enough to perform? Or do you kind of feel this kind of weight on your shoulder with them? It's not so much of a weight on my shoulders when I perform them. It's more so like a release. And it's like, I never, I've never fallen into like being on autopilot when performing. Like, obviously I know the songs very well by now because I've played them well over a hundred times. But um, for me, it's still like a very intimate thing. It's very like, I'm very vulnerable when I'm performing them because they're such personal, honest songs. But it's more like a release for me every time I perform them. The very first song, on the album what you've been looking for that's the i think that's the very first song that you ever wrote like in your early teens like how did it how how does it um change over time or did it even change like in the seven or eight years since uh until the album came out well i guess the meaning of it has since changed when i'm when i'm seeing it like it's very much because i was basically a child when i wrote the song it's I don't know, I kind of like, when I'm singing, when I'm performing that song live, I kind of, I'm singing it to myself, like for that child within me that wrote it. So it's kind of changed, it's kind of grown in, in that way. And so did you know from that age that you wanted to be a singer, a songwriter? Uh, yeah, I mean, as soon as I started, as soon as I realised I could actually like, write an okay song and sing a little and play the guitar I didn't really want to do anything else with my time like anything else that's all I wanted to do so yeah as soon as I wrote, started writing I wanted to just pursue that and chase that and and so what was your journey like how did you actually come to realize the artist that you became on Bear um well it took a lot of uh looking inside myself after a lot of um a lot of events both good and bad obviously um I signed a big record deal when I was 15 or 16 I think I was 16 and I spent a lot of time in the studio with producers trying to develop my sound and I realized how miserable that made me and then after I got dropped I spent a lot of time like reflecting myself and I, I kind of had to like take a step back and just kind of hit the reset button and find out what I liked and what felt good for me and it took a lot of like confidence building I had to rebuild my confidence because I kind of forgot how to write by myself as an artist and then when I realized that um writing honest songs was for me that's when I kind of started to discover who I was as a musician and as a person what was it about working with those producers that that wasn't enjoyable? Was it that they had this idea of you as an artist that you didn't quite agree with? Well, the thing is, that I got signed for my voice and not my songwriting ability. And I guess it's not that, like, I, I don't get me wrong, it was an invaluable experience. Like, I, I learned so much when throughout the, the time spent with Polydor, but... Um, I guess when you're signed for your voice, for me, like the whole process for me, the whole package was writing. Like I, I wanted to 
to be a writer and then a singer. And um, it kind of was like throwing my voice over any old pop song that I would co-write with these producers. And it just made me so miserable. I mean, some of them were pretty good songs, but I just, it wasn't me. Like it wasn't honest enough. It wasn't personal enough for me. It had to be like, cathartic for me to to write and it just it wasn't it just seemed forced and it wasn't very organic so it just yeah that's that's kind of what made me miserable but it also made me realize what I what I did like oh sorry it made me realize what I didn't like but then I went on to realize what I did like yeah and and it just kind of steals yourself I suppose for like this is the music industry like you know it, it can destroy you if you wanted to be but to actually come back and and do what you wanted to do I mean that's really admirable honestly it's I it's like a it's a kind of like a blessing I it's incredible it's incredible that I was able to um come back and to kind of restart my career again I, I feel very blessed after that time was that another time when you kind of like went back to Donegal like after seeing kind of mm-hmm. the bright lights of what the music industry is like were you like oh I need to get out of it I went into hiding I went into like I went into hiding for a while in in Donegal back to my family I just kind of like hid and I didn't write for a little while because I realized that I was trying to write for other people because that's what I had I had been doing like I was trying to write for other people's ears instead of writing for myself and as I said it took a lot of like I had to kind of learn how to write again and learn how to express myself properly but then I I managed to kind of break through that barrier and, and find a a flow what was what is Donegal like is it just kind of your kind of your happy place I suppose at this stage (laughs) well (laughs) my family and I have this um joke where we call my house an asylum because um it's basically my grandparents live with me and it's full of animals so it's like on one hand it's like this haven that's like so my my dad built an an eco-friendly house and like it's it's incredible like he's planted hundreds of willow trees and there are like animals everywhere and and it's like really beautiful but then on the other hand it's like crazy and as I said it's like old people and animals and it's just like kind of it's it's like an open open house like we have visitors every day and it can be quite hectic but it's definitely like my go-to place when I want to kind of find that inspiration. You mentioned that you've been on tour a lot this year uh like I saw that you were supporting Benjamin Francis Leftwich and Milkerton Kids over in the EU in April and May but then you also said that you've done the US shows as well like was the EU stretch the longest tour that you've done and like did you enjoy it? It hasn't been the longest tour I've done ever I did a really long tour last year of um, Europe and the States but I kind of like I did Europe twice this year like the same markets twice and so that was quite long and but I did enjoy it I was with such incredible people like Ben is a really good friend of mine and like yeah it was it was just so lovely to be able to tour with him and the milk carton kids as well like I get along really well with them they're incredible so I, I enjoyed every minute like obviously touring it's not um, like we're not really made for touring it can be very uh, challenging like even chemically just like the adrenaline rush and the come down every night it can be quite a lot to deal with but when you're surrounded by good people it makes it a lot easier and like have you actually gotten a chance to write much at all this year or has it just been like touring 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 oh yeah no I've been, I've been writing I've, I've actually finished writing um, an EP hopefully 
I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you that. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been I've been busy writing lots. I've been writing loads and demoing loads, so I've got a bunch of new songs that I've been working on that I'm really excited about. Without revealing uh, anything that you're not allowed to reveal, is the process different to how you work for the songs on Bear? And is the subject matter a lot different too? Like, do you feel like you've gotten everything that you needed to get out of your system on Bear? Yeah, I do. I feel like I'm definitely trying to move forward. Well, as life happens and as I experience like new things, and the, the subjects of my songs are going to change. Like, I'm not always going to be writing these. I feel like the, the songs from Bear, they were written at a time when they had to be written and now I'm very much like moving forward and even the production's being pushed and I feel like I'm kind of making somewhat of a transition um with my sound it's so with Bear I really wanted to make it very minimal and intimate um but with my new stuff it's kind of very much pushed and like I don't know there are more up-tempo songs and I just I'm I'm like uh, exploring with my voice a lot I've just kind of kind of changed the way that I sing some of the songs but yeah it's just I'm very much trying to move forward from there not that I'm like trying to like you know push it back but I just as I said as life happens I'm gonna write new songs and uh you know create different sounds are the streaming numbers anything that you actually think about like do they add any sort of pressure like looking at the tracks um just on Spotify you know they're in the millions and millions like thousand has eight over over 90 almost 19 million like I mean is there a pressure there to kind of like you can't you can't lose what people are kind of holding on to but you also want to move on as well I suppose yeah well I try not to think about the stream so much so like I was at a dinner the other day and my manager told me that my album has had like 50 million streams something like that and it's like obviously numbers are really important in this kind of career because you 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 know you need to keep a record of who's or how many people are listening to your stuff and like you want loads of people listening to your stuff but for me I just if I were to get all caught up in thinking about it like that I think I would fall into the trap of uh not making music for myself you know yeah yeah um and I have to ask you about Lisa Hannigan because I think she's an amazing artist and I think that I, d- I don't know how your relationship with her began but she certainly seems like someone who's been an influence on you and it must be an amazing feeling to have her like featuring on the album as well and as a peer honestly it's still one of those things that I'm like shit that's like so crazy um so I, I met Lisa at I'm actually going next week it's you know the um festival sounds from safe harbor I met her there two years ago. It was crazy because um, she, I just watched her playing in the Cork Opera House and we were all staying in the same hotel and she kind of like walked into the lobby and I like freaked out because I'm obviously a very big fan of hers. And like we made eye contact and I quickly like looked away. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, um, and she just kind of was like, Ruthie. And she came over to me and she started telling me that she liked my music and I was like internally freaking out. And she said to me there she um she said that if I ever need backing vocals to you know give her a shout and so I wrote thousand and I held her to that and sent her the song and see if she'd want to do it and she loved it so that's how that happened I feel extremely blessed (laughs) what was it that kind of drew you to her music is it just like you just kind of get lost to it you can relate to it well I when I was younger I used to listen to a lot of a lot of her music and I just think she's an incredible um lyricist and her voice, obviously, 
like yeah she's definitely been an influence of mine what other influences were there, are there on the album or that you've had um over the years so musically Joni Mitchell her album Blue and the you know the way that it's so it's so intimate and very minimal again like I, I really wanted to capture that kind of minimal sound with my album and just like kind of simple um Justin Vernon I think he's obviously I, he's incredible he's one of my biggest influences um I don't know I think they're like the the, the two biggest influences I listen to so much music and whenever I'm asked who my influences are, I always forget like everyone I've listened to. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd i be the same. I'm just like, uh, what, what have I been listening to? Let me just let me just check my music <laughs> yeah. played. Uh, Justin Vernon, I think, is always an interesting one um, just because I think he's someone who can like ev- ev- like so many people just want him to make another for Emma forever ago. Like they just want another album like that from him but he's just I don't know if he's rebelled from it but he just kind of goes in the complete opposite direction it's so hard to predict what he's going to do next and like as as an influence I well, suppose I think, oh yeah go on yeah no I was just gonna say I think like it's it, it, it can be like when we I don't know it we just have to respect artist development you know and that's just he's kind of I guess this is just the natural path musical path that he's taking like I'm and I think that that album Forever for Emma Forever Ago, which is like one of my favorite albums, I think it was again it was like obviously very significant for that time in his life and the the songs and the albums that he's making now like they just make sense to him i think I just think they're amazing. I think it's amazing that he only has one album that's kind of like that. And so talking about uh, Sounds from a Safe Harbour, you're playing it uh, this weekend. Um, what can we expect? You're playing uh, Collins. Yes, I am. Um, well, you can expect just me and an acoustic guitar and some light swaying. <laughs> <laughs> You've perfected the swaying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're an acoustic singer somewhere, then you have to kind of <laughs> perfect that sway. <laughs> and uh what about after that so is it just kind of like working on um on the music mm-hmm. well i'm actually i'm flying to new york to record said ep which again i don't know i'm supposed to be um talking about it but i'm hopefully going to be recording with uh thomas bartlett he's also going to be in court next week so yeah i'm really excited about that ah well i mean that's another that's another one to tick off working with thomas bartlett yeah, I feel blessed. He's again, he's like incredible. I didn't even realize he's like the guy behind the gloaming, which I'm also a massive fan of. I love the gloaming. So, uh, well, I mean, that sounds that sounds great, and uh, just another like great thing to look forward to. Uh, in what's been a, a, re- a really good year for you, it's been really great. Yeah, it's been very incredible the way things have just dovetailed and like unfolded. I, I just feel like you know. Yeah, it's it's been incredible. I just hope it keeps going as well. Like obviously there's gonna be times when it becomes quiet again and but so long as I'm writing my new music and working on music then I'm happy. Well, on on that note, uh thanks a lot for the chat and best of luck uh, at Sounds from the Safe Harbour next weekend, Rosie. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.